I'm John Galbo, co-host of Adventure Club Podcast, one of the flagship shows of ACPN. Each week, we're joined by guests from all walks of life, from celebrities to comedians to web geeks of all trades and beyond. Each episode is jam-packed with popular culture goodness sprinkled with some old-fashioned comedy and all-around geekdom. Come join us and share in all the adventures. All right, I said it. Give me my 20 bucks. Adventure Club Podcasts, new episodes only on ACPN. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Childhood Remastered Podcast. This is the podcast where we look back on the cartoons and TV shows and movies and whatnot of our youth and see if they're still worth a damn. Or not. Or not, which is far too often the case. I am Sean. And I'm Chris. And today we're going to be looking at a DreamWorks film from back in the far way past of the year 2000. The year I graduated high school. In the year 2000. (laughs) (laughs) And that movie is... The Road to El Dorado. Before we get started, in order to celebrate this sort of central slash South American romp. Cultural ripoff. Cult, yeah, <laughs> whatever. Uh, we've decided to do some cultural ripping off of our own. So I am drinking some canned Modelo. And I'm drinking some tequila. So, <laughs> yes. Uh, this movie, had you ever seen it before? No. Let's give people, I think, a quick rundown of what it is. And then uh, then we can go from there. Because yeah. I feel like most people probably don't know what this is. And that's made apparent because this movie did not make... It's the only DreamWorks film to not make a profit. Yes. Which is saying something. This So this movie is a American animated adventure musical fantasy comedy film. And I wanted to put that in there because I thought it was the most ridiculous thing I'd ever seen. Well, what, what, I, had, what I had read about the sort of plot synopsis background information of this movie is they wanted it to be like a Bing Crosby style, like road to, you know, like, like the stuff right. that the stuff that uh, if you've watched family guy at all, they've done a ton of, you know, road to Rhode Island and road to this and road to that with Stewie and Brian in that it's like a musical episode, yeah, musical ish a... episode where two people are trying to get someplace. And that's a Bing Crosby, I think Frank Sinatra type thing or Bing Crosby, Bob Hope, Bob Hope. That's what it was. Bob Hope, Bing Crosby. There we go. Yeah. It's uh so this movie has a runtime of 89 minutes. And as Sean mentioned, it did not do that well in its opening weekend on March 31st, 2000, the movie made $12.8 million coming in second behind Aaron Brockovich's third weekend. Third couldn't even knock Aaron Brockovich out of the top spot. No, what the second yes. spot? No, it couldn't knock it out of the first spot. But three weeks out, yeah. The movie closed June 29th, so it wasn't out for that long. It was it was out for less or for about a month, a month, almost two months. And it earned finally about fifty and a half million U.S. 
and which about is, 25 and a half million in, in the overseas market which is not i mean if it if it earned 12 million uh, i'm wrong it was 3 months right it's about 3 months now, so if it was if it was 12.8 let's just say 13 million for the first weekend so over the next what is that uh, so 4 weeks in a month and it was out for it was out for 3 months so that's 12 weeks so in three days, it made twelve. It made about thirteen million dollars, and in the other, the the rest of the time, it only it's made, making about two million or so a week, two or three million a week. Yeah, that's that's not great. I mean, I would take that kind of income personally. Oh but yeah. For this movie, its budget was ninety five million, and its total box office was seventy six and a half. Yeah, the, the movie itself is a is like a combination of traditional animation and computer generated yes. animation. So, just a quick synopsis I pulled off the interwebs. The film follows two con artists who, after winning the map to El Dorado, escape from Spain. After being stranded on the island, they use it to lead them to the city of El Dorado, where its inhabitants mistake them for gods. So, with that said, what did you know about this movie before we watched it today? Well, I have to say that I I I. I want to say that I'd watched this movie before, but the vast majority of my knowledge of this movie came from internet memes. There are so <laughs> many internet memes out there of Miguel and Tulio just doing stupid crap together and just being being their ridiculous selves that it, it's it's pretty pervasive on the internet. Plus, Shell being a super sexual cartoon. That's going to be a big discussion and, as we go. you mm-hmm. know, it, that's really what I, and I'd watched a bunch of YouTube clips of it and it seemed like a really funny movie. That's why I wanted to do it. And I mean, to me, watching it sort of with fresh eyes, it, it kind of was a very entertaining funny movie to me. I So my background is I had almost zero recollection of this movie. It was the kind of movie that I feel like I probably watched, but I apparently didn't. <laughs> and I think my only knowledge outside of that was their collaboration with Burger King for some toys. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember That's that. I think about as much as I remember because I think my little sister got some toys from Burger King when I was so it's two thousand so this is for me eleventh grade, and I don't really remember much else besides that. Yeah, and, and I, honest- I had very little recollection. And then kind of from there till now, I think my memory of it was that it probably wasn't good. Because yeah. if I hadn't seen it, I was like, well, I haven't seen it. And everybody else I know hasn't seen it. I think I think, isn't good. I think our experience with the movie is probably the experience that most people had, seeing as how this was the only, like I said, non-profitable DreamWorks venture. I mean, this is the this is the company. I mean, B movie made more than this movie did. That's that's sad. Yeah, right. So, yeah. so I don't think we're alone in either not remembering or just sort of trying to forget about this movie. And I, I mean, I really think it's a shame. Like I said, I liked this movie. I, I I'm I have some torn feelings on this movie, uh, but I guess we'll get there. Yeah. So the screenplay. We just discussed them last week since they wrote the story for Treasure Planet. Yeah, it's Ted Elliott who wrote for Aladdin Shrek and all five Pirates of the Caribbean films, and Terry Rossio who also wrote for Aladdin Shrek and all five Pirates of the Caribbean cartoon or cartoons, TV movies, movies, not TV movies. Um, he also wrote the uh, Lone Ranger, which I saw and I actually didn't mind so much. Look, that's a rousing endorsement, Sean. Yeah, I didn't mind it so much. I feel like that's like a. That'd be like a five out of ten uh, <laughs> IMDb rating. It's like, it's not offensive, but it is offensive. But it's not offensive to the senses. 
Yeah, it's like it could have been worse. Could have set my eyebrows on fire. <laughs> it's one of those. It'd be one of those. It'd be, it'd be one of those reviews where they talk about how nice the theater was and how crisp the popcorn was instead of talking about the movie. Uh, yeah, that, that well, that sounds about right. So the production company is DreamWorks Animation, and DreamWorks is kind of they're kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal, and they are sort of important for us to mention because of Jeffrey Katzenberg. And now it's also founded by Steven Spielberg and David Geffen, but um, with Katzenberg's prior Disney interaction, uh, it's kind of... He's the one that, for me, makes the most sense to be involved with DreamWorks. Yeah. Yeah. He left, I think, as a semi-sort of disgruntled sort of thing. It's all right. He's doing okay now. I think he's doing just fine. I wish yeah. I was. I wish I left Disney semi-disgruntled. I know, right? So, it the is... directors for this are Don Paul and Eric Bebo Bergeron. Bergeron, probably. Bergeron, 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 whatever. Bagheera. So Bebo, as he's known, uh, was an animator for a bunch of stuff. The Asterix stuff I have never heard of. I I don't know what that is. Asterix and Obelisk. It's it's a cartoon I think in Sweden. It's a it's also a comic like a newspaper comic. Oh, is that what that is? Yeah, it is. Okay, All Asterix right. and Obelisk. All right, I'll, I'll I'll go with you on that. Cool. And uh, Five Goes West, Fern Gully, Goofy Movie. This is all stuff we've covered. Yeah. We're Back, know? A Dinosaur Story. Haven't covered that, but Iron I've Giant. watched it several times with my kid, actually. So that would be a fun one to do. Iron Giant is a good movie. It's yeah. a great movie, actually. Uh, Vin Diesel, un- right? <laughs> yeah, he unfortunately directed Shark Tale as well. Well, I never saw that, but I put it in there because I knew it wasn't a great movie. So. <laughs> now, I did... The last one that I put on here, I, I, I marked off... I, I wanted to quickly mention a movie that he directed in 2011 called A Monster in Paris because it's up on the Netflixes. It's up on the Netflix. The Netfly. And and I liked it. It was good. It was cool. It was a very interesting sort of story where a flea gets grown into giant size. Well, the, the flea that would becomes be terrifying. Well, it sort of is because the flea becomes human size, and when he does, he sort of has like human consciousness. Oh my god. And then it turns out he's like an amazing guitar player and musician and the whole movie ends up being like them protecting him. And it's a great, I mean, I know I just spoiled the movie, but I don't care. Go watch it. It's a, it's a really cute movie. It sounds kind of like, uh, it sounds kind of like the, uh, district nine, almost the, the weird yeah, bug like looking a guys. Sweet, friendlier version of that. They kind of do look like that. Or he oh. kind of looks like that too. So the music in this movie is probably one of the bigger elements, I guess I'd I want to say, say it's, I, you know, I feel like because of the names involved, it should have they, been a bigger name. I think they wanted it to be a really big element because this is described as a buddy road musical comedy animated whatever ma- amalgam mishmash. Uh, the music is done by Tim Rice and Elton John. Yes. Well, the, the soundtrack. Soundtrack, yeah. Yeah, the, the themes, the, the rest of the score is actually Hans Zimmer and John Powell, yeah. who also... You know, ain't like small ah. potatoes, you know. But Elton John did a bunch of songs for the movie that were sort of, there was, there was only, I can only think of one song in the movie that the main characters actually sing. 
but they're not actually really singing it but it's the main characters like singing it if you know what i mean like they're not they're not like doing a number while where they're singing and dancing it's like there it's a, it'll be like a montage of plays with them singing uh, elton john singing in the background yeah but yeah. Yeah, exactly and and that's what the majority and of usually the songs, his song has to do with what's happening on the screen yeah the one that i was talking about is the it isn't easy being a god or something something like that. yeah but yeah. i think that's the one where the two main characters actually sing but they're not standing there singing like doing a thing like in aladdin where he sings and does right. stuff they're, yeah. they're it's a montage of them doing things but the characters are singing so just really quickly if people don't know who the fuck elton john is <laughs> where I, have you been for the last you, 50 years seriously so just to mention he is a world famous singer songwriter pianist composer and he usually writes with bernie Taupin. they've kind of been their they've been the duo except for like a very short period in the 70s and he has more than 50 top 40 hits seven consecutive number ones in the u.s and from 77 to 2000 which is 31 years he had at least one song on the billboard top 100 rolling stone has him ranked as 49 on the list of 100 influential musicians he is in the top 50 yeah he is the third overall most successful recording artist behind the beatles and madonna he's been knighted by queen elizabeth ii he's a well-known philanthropist and honestly we could do several shows on elton john Mm -hmm. uh but i just I if you I'm not gonna go off on all the songs he's done. I grew up on Elton John, and I know a bunch of Elton John stuff. And he is now. I have I have something to say about Elton John a little bit. Uh, when I was actually, I thought about this at the end of it because I remembered back to um, we we were sort of joking a little bit before we went to lunch about the uh, sort of Disney connection to this movie. Yeah, the tangential Disney connection. And as as I was watching the movie, I was thinking back to uh, The Lion King, which came out in 94. Mm-hmm. And The Lion King had an Elton John song in it, the Can You Feel the Love Tonight? Yeah. And I was thinking, like, I wonder if, because some of these guys, they worked on uh, Aladdin and Shrek, the Terry Russo and uh, Rocio and, and Ted Elliott. I mean, they have an affiliation. Aladdin came before? Well, don't didn't... Elton John work on Fern Gully? I think he might have. Or at least yeah, he had we, a, he no, had a we song? Dis- we discussed it because he had a song that was his first involvement with animated feature film. It was Fern Gully and he did it as like a side project as like a Yeah, I, I don't know. I just thought it was I, I just thought it was interesting that uh, that he did that he did the the music for this much like Phil Collins did for Tarzan where he was the yeah. entire he was the entirety of the of the in movie music. Yeah. I think Tarzan retrospectively is sort of underappreciated. Oh, I love Tarzan. I, I, I really, I mean, the story of Tarzan has all kinds of political oh, love, things love, that we could discuss. I love the Disney movie Tarzan. I like the Disney movie Tarzan. It's a good Disney film. The undertones like that could be discussed about Tarzan in general. Uh, we're not going to get into because this is not a political podcast. Yeah. One <laughs> of the, one of the more violent uh, Disney villain deaths though. It is mm. hung himself. Yeah. yeah. So then we have Tim Rice, who he's a world-renowned lyricist, and, and he did the lyrics for these. Yeah, he did songs, the lyrics yeah. for all the songs. He's worked with Andrew Lloyd Webber. He wrote Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, Jesus. which I was in a production of in high school. Ooh, look at you! Yeah. Were you were you Joseph or the trench coat? Joe Joe Joey Beanbags and the Amazing Technicolor Trench Coat. <laughs> no, hey, I was hey, uh, set my people free. I was like five five rolls and Potiphar. Uh, if you've ever seen Joseph, and uh, yeah, so and he did uh, Jesus Christ Superstar in Evita. So yeah, he worked on uh, Beauty and the Beast with Aladdin. Macon. Yeah. yeah. 
Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin and the Lion King, and he's a Oscar and Tony Award winner who was knighted by Queen Elizabeth as well. So we had two we had two knights of the round that were working on this film. <laughs> I don't know why, but in my when you said knights of the round, all I could think of so I I had two thoughts. First, I got a visual for Knights of the Round from Final Fantasy VII. <laughs> and, and the stupid chocobo breeding you had to do. <laughs> then, immediately, the music that I heard was not that music from the chocobo racing. It was the uh, King Arthur and the Knights of Justice theme song. Oh, I thought you were going to say the, uh, the, <laughs> the, themes, the song that they did in, uh, in uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Oh. <laughs> we're Knights of the Round Table, we dance whenever we're able. No, but there's a, a version of that that's uh, all Legos. It's animated. It's pretty funny on the special edition. Yeah, I've seen Hilarious. That. Sorry, I love Monty Python. So, uh, composers. Have, got yeah. Hans Zimmer, we mentioned before, and John Powell. So, Zimmer is a German composer who has composed over 150 films since 1980s, the 1980s. Is and he, honestly, what? I'm not going to go over everything, but if you have seen Gladiator, The Last Samurai, Inception, 12 Years a Slave, or his most recent fir- film, Dunkirk... Or, you know, Lion King. Who's he trying to be? John Williams? Oh. <laughs> Low blow. Yeah. Low blow. And then John Powell, uh, by comparison, has only composed about a little over 50 films, like All Three Shreks, Ants, Rio, How to Train Your Dragon. The first three Bourne movies. Uh, whatever. We could go on with that guy, too. So Production. This... Uh, the I, There's some cool stuff in here that that I, I put in here. I don't know. Do you want to talk about some production stuff, or you want to yeah, talk let's about talk the about, cast? Let's talk about the production because it, it it sort of goes into like how the movie got made. I mean, obviously, yeah. but so we discussed about the buddy style, uh, Bing Crosby, Bing Bob Crosby, Hope, Bob Hope, Hope yeah. thing, and the the movie Road to El Dorado originally, I believe, entered development in '95, and the animator director who created. Iago and Cogsworth was originally slated to be one of the co-directors. His name is Will Finn. And then the other one was David Silverman, who's the original Simpsons animator on the Tracy Ullman show and directed a bunch of Simpsons stuff. They That's who originally it was supposed to be. And then they backed out. And the movie was supposed to be a dramatic film because Katzenberg's sort of that was weird his thing, yeah. Ancient, yeah, his weird thing for large-scale animated films was to be like a dramatic piece sort of like um the movie prince of persia that came out in 1998 which would be kind of an interesting one i think for us to do too some good music in that prince of persia or prince of egypt sorry did i say prince of persia you did okay let me rewind that and travel back through time yeah so that was originally the plan. Miguel, in the in the movie, there's a character named Miguel, one of our lead roles. He yes. was initially conceived as this sort of like raunchy Sancho Panza character that died and then came back to life as this sort of ghost. And then the natives assumed he was a god. That was like part of the initial idea. And because the movie had gone through several rewrites, there's a side joke that the movie was actually called El Dorado, The Lost City on Hold. Yeah. Which is pretty brilliant. So there's there's... One thing, and I know this is down, actually way down in the trivia. I don't know if you've got a chance to look at this, but it's something I wanted to add in. So originally, actually, I don't know where I put this, but it doesn't matter. Because originally, the characters were written to be, so Miguel and Tulio, the two main characters, they were originally, originally meant to be a couple. Oh. 
So they were originally written to be a guy guy couple. Well, that sort of that sort of uh, shines through a little bit. <laughs> I think it does, and that's why I wanted to mention as we get into the production and the casting because that was the original idea, and that got cut. And when it did, that's when they threw Chell in there, who's the female sort of love interest for one of the characters. And that's why she sort of feels out of place. Yeah, it, she it, feels she's like an insert. She's an insert, and she's an insert because. They decided they didn't want to have a, 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 a gay, gay couple, couple in 2000 for a, a DreamWorks animated film for kids. I don't know why that would be offensive, but I, I mean, it's, think about it, it was 17 years ago. It was sort well, of a different time politically. Think about right now. I mean, at the time that we're recording this, it's the beginning of August. There's a... there's a uh, Oh, the animated short Yeah, there's, there's a DreamWorks style clip that has just... It's got, an animated short. It's yeah. beautifully done. Yeah, it's, and it's really a, poignant. Yeah, and it's about, it's about a gay... It's a like little boy who's young, got a crush yeah. on another kid. Yeah, and and how his heart sort of outs him, and and how the the, the kids in the school are like, like the you know, Gross or whatever, yeah. and he can't help it that he likes who he likes. And yeah, it's and, kind of and an even then, uh, and the reason I bring it up is today in in August of 2017, that that short clip is controversial. Which is weird. Which but is it, weird. Well, and whatever. this is 17 yeah. years ago, so I, I could see how... I can only imagine. Yeah. I'll only so. imagine. So, the the casting... The, Klein and Brana, who are the, the two main uh, characters... The, the actors. The, the actors that played Tulio and Miguel. Yes. They... In the production, as we've discussed several times before... They don't normally record in the same room. Yeah, it's very rare for right. people to record in the same room. And they normally just do it in a sound booth by themselves. Separate, yeah. yeah. And in this movie, they did it together. Which is why I think when they're together, they do seem to have good chemistry. They do. Their back and forth is great. Uh, I, th- I thought it was kind of cool. And and also the fact that, that the animators and Katzenberg and a bunch of the staff did a, several trips down to Mexico and South America to do research. Man, I wish that I worked for an animation studio know, or a movie they, studio. They, they that's, send you to Mexico that's, for, quote, research. Well, that's like when... Uh, I remember watching a, a, a... I don't know if it was a featurette or a documentary or something on Moana, and they were talking to the uh, the animation, the production staff, and they're like, oh, yeah, we, we went to, like, all these Pacific islands for months on end to, like, learn the people and you learn... Son of a bitch. Yeah, they, they, they went... Oh, we went to Hawaii, Tahiti, and and Mali, and, and not Mali, Bali. Bali. Bali, and like Trinidad and Tobago. Bali is different. Mali is in Africa. <laughs> yeah. But they went to all these Pacific islands to like, to, to learn the style of the island and to learn how the, the people interacted you know, and culture and, and, and everything and else. And they, they got like a really good movie out of it, but they got to spend months on Pacific islands just sort of dicking around with the natives. Yeah, which is... Which is a good job if you can get it. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, the, so the cast. Uh, like we said, the main, the two main characters are Tulio and Miguel. And Tulio is... I've heard this movie described as... If you've played D&D or any kind of RPG, this movie is has been described as what happens when a thief and a bard decide to have their own adventure. Perfect. Yeah. Because Tulio is, is Tulio's the, the thief. thief. And, and Miguel, Miguel is a bard. the bard. Yeah. And he even like plays guitar. Like mm-hmm. it's perfect. Yeah. So Tulio is a con artist. They're both con artists, but he's the sort of brains of the operation. He's the planner. He's the one that. Well, they bill him as the brains, yeah. but he's kind of not the brains. He's the brains. Sometimes his brains are in his head. Sometimes his brains are in his dick. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> and that's, uh, that's not an understatement. No. That's. Uh, 
Or that is an understatement. That's it's pretty. We're gonna get there. Yeah, so I he's, promise. He's played by Kevin Klein, who has uh, an Oscar and three Tonys. He's been in Sophie's Choice, A Fish Called Wanda, where he won the Oscar. Prairie Home Companion, the film. I remember that. Yeah, uh, I do. Gar- too. Garrison Keillor. Yeah. Welcome to Harry Perry Home Companion. He's retired now. He, yeah. he's, he left. But uh, Hunchback of Notre Dame and Wild Wild West, where we have a connection to the next person on the uh, on the cast list. Kenneth Branagh. Kenneth yeah. Branagh. He was nominated for both a Best Actor and Best Director Oscar for Henry V way back in 1989, which is very unusual to get that. Now, he was also in Wild Wild West and most recently was in the film Dunkirk also. So in Wild Wild West, Kevin Klein played one of the secret agents. One of Will the, Smith was the... Uh, he was the other one, the captain. And and, and uh, Kevin Klein played the one, I can't remember his freaking name, but he played the one that was like the master of disguise and the inventor. Yeah, and he would cross-dress in the yeah, film. Yeah, and then Kenneth Branagh played uh, Colonel Loveless, or Dr. Loveless. He was the villain, the one in the wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. So... When you think back to that movie, you can sell, you can see how their banter going back and forth would be pretty good. And it really shines through. I think that's probably one of the highlights of this movie is the banter between Tulio and Miguel. I know it! Your dice are loaded! What? You gave me loaded dice? He gave me loaded dice! Guard, arrest him! You dare to impugn my honor? He was the one who was cheating. Arrest him. He tricked these sailors and took their money. Now I'm the thief? Yes. Take a look in the mirror, pal. You better give them that money back or I'll... On guard yourself. I will give you the honor of a quick and painless death. Not with that. Like fairly. Well, any last words? I will cut you to ribbons, fool. Such mediocrity. Let your sword do the talking. I will. It will be loquacious to a fault. The fact that they recorded in the same room and that they they had a previous sort of working relationship in some other films. Do you think a giant mechanical spider would have made this movie better? Well, we kind of had a giant, almost mechanical jaguar. The stone jaguar. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So you don't, you don't understand. Spiders are the most dangerous killers in the animal kingdom. <laughs> Your quotes are endless, Sean. Yeah. Uh, so Shell is... Is it Shell or is it Chell? I don't know. I think I'm... she pronounces it Chell. Okay, I'll say Chell. Whatever. It's it's Chell. Call me Chell. Your new partner. She yeah. is... So the, her description via IMDb and uh, wherever Wikipedia, else. wherever else you find it, is terrible. Because they describe her as a young, beautiful native girl from El Dorado who discovers their con and decides to play along. Wrong. No, she's Wrong. a thief. She is a thief and a con artist, too, who's trying to escape her city with a bunch of gold and gets caught. And they end up essentially back in El Dorado. And she knows right away because she's a con artist, too. Yeah, you can't con and, a con. Right. So then she plays them and then convinces them to kind of let her go along yeah so that she doesn't get sacrificed or whatever yeah and and in the process a love relationship develops between her and one of the characters yeah. and honestly 
She, her character makes me really uncomfortable. Let's talk about her character. So b- Let's before, talk about we, now, before or... we get, before we get into her character. So if you've seen this, the character is played by Rosie Perez. And if you've seen Rosie Perez in Do the Right Thing or in like White Men Can't Jump, you know, you know, like Rosie Perez and she normally talks like the, the, she doesn't do that. She speaks, she doesn't do like that. It creeps the, through them. a little bit, but it's yeah. norm, like her normal her normal speaking in this movie is just normal speaking. There's not like a, there's not like sort of a Brooklyn accent or like a, like, I would say it definitely, for me, it creeped through. I heard it a few times, but yeah. it's, it's rare. Yeah. So the character of the character of shell is hypersexualized. Oh, and, and blatantly. So, and I, we were talking about this. Maybe it's uh, that booty. I don't know. Yeah, we, we were, it's a something, man. We, I, it made me uncomfortable. We were talking about this as we, as we left to go get uh, some, some food that shell is both she is designed both in the writing of this movie and in the animation as probably and i I know this isn't a she's not a disney character but i was trying to think of other animated jessica rabbit yeah other animated characters jessica rabbit is probably the closest one but she is one of the most overtly sexual and sexualized cartoon characters that i've ever seen and i don't think i mean so they 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 give her these like giant like she's got some she's got some child birthing hips she's got that literal hourglass figure well and i was gonna say those lips those like huge lips that they give her yeah but like not in an offensive like no 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 it's i mean it's just these like plump luscious lips and these wide these wide hips and and like huge breasts. Yeah, and at one and point, at one point in the when she's, you don't know if she's trying. And there's a scene in this where she, you don't know if she's trying to seduce Tulio, or distract him. Oh, in the or, beginning, or, or what? No, and and one, it was a scene where Miguel's trying to get away. He's trying to sneak off into the right, city. Yeah, that happens and, earlier in the film. Yeah. yeah, and so there's a scene where she's sitting down. Uh, or she had been giving Miguel, or she had been giving Tulio a, a massage. Trying she, to, she was trying to. It almost like she was trying to seduce him. Yeah, and, and she then, was. She propositioned. And him. then he he says something along the lines of like, like "You're like, off no, limits." I, well, yeah, I can't be tempted or whatever. And then she sits down and she says something along the lines of, "Oh, well, that's too bad" or something. Hey, what happened to Miguel? Mm-hmm. Oh my God. God! He's gone! Miguel's gone! He's loose! What am I gonna do? Oh, oh no, no! <laughs> oh, Miguel is right. You worry so much. Uh, uh, oh, yeah. Oh, down, 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 down. Mo! No! <laughs> Big trouble! <laughs> oh. Look, sweetheart, we're in the middle of a con here. Walking the razor's edge. On the one hand, gold. On the other hand, painful, agonizing failure. <clears throat> I can't afford any temptation, uh, distraction. So I'm sorry. So sorry. Uh, but perhaps another time? Another place? <laughs> Too bad. I'm free now. I'm not really sure I trust you. Hmm, I'm not really asking you to trust me, am I? Okay. Hmm? Yeah. 
Yeah, well, no, then he, she, he said, well, uh, maybe later can I take a rain check or and something. And she says, but I'm ready now. She goes, well, yeah, well, but I'm ready now. And it's it's like, well, crap, okay. <laughs> yeah, like, I, like I should have put I should have put a tarp down on this couch I'm sitting on because <laughs> it's, I'm ready it's, uh, now. <laughs> Too and much, Sean. No, and then she, she, like, she moves her hair off of her shoulders in just like a blatant display of, like, Hey, what's going on over there? Because Tulio's standing behind. This is behind. what the rest of my body looks like. Yeah, and there there are a number of scenes. There's, there's a there's, scene. There's in a which, one in particular. Yeah, let's just say it. Let's yeah. just get it out of there. Shell is going down on Tulio, and that's not. We are not reading too much into it. Somebody walks into the. Somebody starts it's, to it's approach the, their the, area. The great priest or whatever. The Sekul Khan. Yeah. The the vague villain. Yeah. He he is on his way up, and they hear him approaching. Whoa! My lord? Hello? High priest! Ow. What's he gonna think if he finds one of the gods like this with me? Uh, lucky god? Just, just, just. Hello? And Tulio's head pops they're, they're up. Both, they're both lying down. And well, but at first, you don't see her. You don't see either of them. Right, so the screen... So, the way that it is, is there's a screen kind of showing pillows and stuff is sort of haphazard and tulio's head pops up like he's lying on his back kind of to the right and he says something and he's shocked and then she comes up not from like at level with him not at face but from level. crotch level yeah and like like she was busy doing something else yeah and the lead up to that was him making all kinds of like oh oh yeah oh okay Oh yeah, you know, like and they, what the like? This is a children's movie. I think yeah, I think there are several points during I, the I production mean, of this movie where they forgot who the target audience now, was. Now I think I, I think at least in my case, because Eleanor watched this movie, she did not know what was going on. Thank God. Thank God. Yeah, because that was not necessarily a conversation I wanted to have with my three and a half year old. Daddy, but, why is he? Why is she kissing his pee pee? Yeah, that's not. Well, she doesn't even know what a pee pee is. I don't think so. Uh, you know, that's not really a discussion I want to have with her <laughs> uh, at three and a half. And it it was maybe too much for children. I, I think at least it's vague enough that younger kids, little kids won't get it. No, but if you're like 11, 12, 13, you're going to get it. You'll get it. You'll get it. Whoa! Yeah, it's it's too much. Yeah, there, there's a couple scenes. We'll talk about them later. There's a couple go, scenes yeah. that yeah that involve that involve Shell. Now the villain quote villain I, I've got some issues with his name's Zekel Khan and he is this sort of like religiously zealous priest. Yeah, he's he's the priest of the gods who wants who's like hardcore obsessed with human sacrifice because they're entering the year of the jaguar, which supposedly means that it has to be brought in. While being bathed in blood or something. Yeah. And it's voiced by Armand DeSante, who is, for me, the role that I know him from. Hold two on, roles. let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. As Judge Rico from Drudge, Judge Dredd? Well, I was going to say that's one, but that's, <laughs> no, it's actually Odysseus from the Odyssey. The, oh, okay. the There is a TV, like, miniseries about the Odyssey that came back, came out back in the late 90s. And he was Odysseus, and and I just immediately think of him as that. He whenever, was also John Gotti in the HBO miniseries about John Gotti. Whenever, whenever but, I see, whenever I see the name Armand Asante, all I can think of is that scene from 
that scene from Judge Dredd when Dredd is confronting him and he goes, he goes, you violated the law. The law. I am the law. <laughs> no, just that part where he just drags up. The law. <laughs> that's all I, Armand Desant. That that is you. That's that's that that's the that's the the mind picture that I get. Just him going. <laughs> I don't know. So I just recently rewatched the movie Tropic Thunder, and when you say mind picture, there's that. <laughs> so Ben Stiller. He is this actor who's like kind of washed up in that movie, and uh, one of the movies that he did where is where he plays a mentally disabled simple guy, Simple Jack. Yes, yeah, Simple Jack, and and he talks about how he sees his mama in his mind pictures now that she's his mind picture movies now that she's dead. This <laughs> is so sorry. I know that's like a way off topic. But way off topic. <laughs> the, the next never go for return. No. The next character is Chief uh, Tannenbach, who is the chief of the people that live in El Dorado. So there's like a there's like sort of a dueling uh, dueling leadership role in this village in this city of El Dorado, where you have the chief, who is the leader of the people, and then you have uh, Zekel Khan, who is the religious leader, and they're they 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 butt sort heads of a lot, competing for who's going to control the city. Yeah, and Chief Tannenbach is played by Edward James Olmos. How do I reach these kids? How do I reach these gates? 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 I reached these gates. Yeah, Every time I see Edward James Olmos, that's the first thing I think of. Yeah. I and I know I know it's not actually him, but it's it's just too much for me. Yeah. Edward James almost made famous by the movie Stand and Deliver, and also he was in um, what was that one? Blade Runner. No, what was that one show that he was in? Oh, that's right, Battlestar Galactica. Oh. <laughs> BSG, Admiral Adama. If you have not seen the 2004 reimagining of Battlestar Galactica, go now. I think it's on Netflix. It should be on Netflix. If it's not, go illegally download it. I don't even care. Go watch it. Don't illegally download. Don't illegally download it. And I'm not supporting. Go illegally download it. You know, I don't care. You know what? It's too good not to watch. You know what? Find I'm, it anywhere. I'm gonna say something that's gonna probably piss you off, and it's not. It's not that I haven't seen it. Oh, did you don't like it? No, it's not that either. Okay, okay, because I was gonna say that's no, because I've told I've told this to a couple people that love Battlestar Galactica, and they were like, "How dare you?" Let's see it. Bring it. Bring it. So I started watching. I started watching it late. I didn't watch it as it was coming out. So like I, you know, whatever. I was watching it on my own time, and I had gotten about halfway through season two because I was watching it on DVDs or something. Got about halfway through season two. And then there was a Battlestar Galactica like marathon on sci-fi or something. And this was long after it was completed. And so I started watching it on the marathon. And it was from much later episodes. Like the last season. And I got all the spoilers. (laughs) Oh, that sucks. (laughs) And I was just like, oh, oh, they're a Cylon? And they're a Cylon? Oh. And then I went back and I watched the rest of it. And I was like, I know. Yeah, <laughs> that would that. I mean, if it was me, that I would have been like, 
Like I'm, I'm sad for you that that that's how you <laughs> no, have to experience it I because know. that the reveal, the the who the Cylons are reveal in the end. You're like no, oh. but yeah, I like I like I caught the end of the the end of the marathon was like the last five episodes yeah, or something. And don't I was say like, who it is in case anybody wants oh, to go. Let's do it. I don't care. That person is a Cylon. I will say that there is a scene at the end at the last episode of Battlestar Galactica that I have a little bit of man tears for every time. And it's when Gaius Baltar is walking through the scenery with Six. Ooh, Six. Oh, yeah, right? And he's walking through the scenery with Six. And she's trying to comfort him because he's he's upset. And he just says, I used to be a farmer. And then she goes, I know. And because now they're they're starting on a whole new world, and and his entire he came from poverty from a farming community, and he was like dirt poor, and he his whole life was about escaping that. Yeah. And so for him to to essentially say like it's okay, like we're gonna be okay, we can rely on my farming skills. (laughs) Yeah. It's like heartbreaking to see. Um, God, I know we just went off in a yeah. Wait, wait. Let's go. Let's go back. So now we have uh, the sort of secondary villain that doesn't really that it, doesn't really menace anyone really it pisses me off actually because so the, the character is okay, Hernan, yeah. Hernan Cortez who is a conquistador he's a leader of an expeditionary force that uh, is going from Spain to the New World to ostensibly enslave and exploit the native peoples of an entire new continent yeah and it's played it's played in and I so it's played by Jim Cummings who we've talked about a million times. And this Jim Cummings role, I liken to his role on Sonic Sat AM of oh, Robotnik. It's that it's sort the of... Chili Dog Sonic. No, not the Chili Dog Sonic. Oh, Sat, Sat AM. Yeah, Sorry, it, yeah, yeah. It's, it's that sort the of... good Sonic. Yeah, it's that sort of really menacing, like, we're going to get them and we're going to... You know, that, that just really... Growly. Growly, yeah. rumbly, like, menacing... Type, type of... Jim he, Cummings' role. He, they portray him in a super evil way. Cortez. My crew was as carefully chosen as the disciples of Christ. And I will not tolerate stowaways. You will be flogged. And when we put into Cuba to resupply, God willing, you will be flogged some more. And then enslaved on the sugar plantations for the rest of your miserable lives. To the brig. All right. Cuba. <laughs> but they kind of just completely wash over the fact that he is essentially a genocidal maniac. Yay, like most of the Spaniards. I mean, it's like it's completely neglected. He shows up in the beginning for just like a quick cameo, basically. Disappears to the very end. And... Then he presents a sort of pseudo possible conflict that just doesn't never fizzles out. He ends up just essentially being the enacted punishment for the real true villain, which is the native guy. He, you know what he is? He's like in the movie, he's like a force of nature. That's what he is. He, he carries the heroes to their, to their plot decided destination. And then he removes the villain at the end of the movie. Yeah. He's, 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 he's almost like he's a plot. He's a plot device. He's yeah. a plot device. Hernan Cortez is a plot device in the movie, which is it's terrible. It's yeah. terrible because he. I mean, it just makes it just makes some of the criticism that this movie got, which uh, of the which there's a lot, of which there's a lot, and it's fair. 
uh, completely founded. Yeah. So Cortez's horse, his name is Altivo. He ends up joining the the two guys like on their journey, and it's voiced by surprise and animals in a movie, and it's animated. It's Frank Welker, and it's so weird because I don't feel like the horse has a whole lot of like quote unquote lines. It's like neighing and whinnying and just noise. Yeah. It's it's so weird. Um, there's another character named uh, Zargoza who's played by Tobin Bell. Zargoza is the the sort of pirate sailor type person that they only they, show him in the beginning yeah he, they win they win the uh the map to el dorado from him in a in a dice game and that 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 provides the initial sort of conflict they they uh they're con artists right so they're using loaded dice to win at dice games and then he he bets them his map against all the gold that they won and they have to use his dice to win it so they actually win and then his dice they find out that it's loaded and there's the whole chase scene and they get away. Yeah, I I mean, his character is not really that important. I only put him in here because I thought it was cool that it's voiced by the guy who plays Jigsaw in the Saw movies. Yeah. Which is cool. Uh, and then the rest of the... There's an acolyte who is voiced by somebody who's only done this movie. So I'm not... And some yeah. other characters. We don't yeah. need to mention... The narrator is Elton John. Yeah. Now, uh, very quickly, Jim Cummings also does like 20 billion other roles. Yes. Like background voices, pirates, and just random stuff. Um, that is, you know, not that important. Oh, no. Yo! Your horn fits me is not fun! Look out, new world, here we come. So let's talk about what the movie actually, like, let's talk about the plot. Like, we did the, we did the quick plot synopsis at the beginning, but let's, let's get into what actually happens in this movie. So... Tulio and Miguel are essentially, they're almost like shanghai out to the sea. Through on, their own doing. Yeah, they, they are. In escaping from the the loaded dice game that, that uh, they ran away from in the beginning that we were talking about, they end up getting put on a ship accidentally and sailing off to an undescript, indescript, south american or central american area they don't really say they say that they're going to drop them off in cuba once they're found out and then they get lost at sea and yeah. end up on some random place yeah you don't ever know it's the, the the area that they land in i don't know if we talked about this but it's it's an amalgamation of a bunch various of yeah it could be mayan it could be incan or it could be uh anything really it's it's just it's just generic sort of central american native people yeah it's um I think it's supposed to be because the the whole theory slash rumors behind El Dorado actually it's weird because the the it stems from a chieftain or something who was buried uh, coated in like gold dust mm-hmm. that was dropped into a lake and that somehow exploded as a rumor into the idea that there was an entire city. Made of gold. I mean, there was another cartoon that we're probably going to do at some point. That's called uh, "The Cities of Gold." Yeah, marvelous cities of gold or something. And it, this is a this is a common do 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 do. Yeah, exactly. Do 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 This is a common like legend in Central and South America that there are these hidden cities of gold. Well, it was a it was a legend started by the Spaniards who were hungry for gold. It wasn't from the natives. Yeah, actually, they were they that was not a rumor from them. They bring it. They maybe yeah. They would bring back stories of these people who were just draped with gold and there was just gold everywhere leave it to humans to value ugly metal that really should be only used in like electrical work 
Yeah, that's true. But, but it is what it is. Yeah. So, so they they escape. They're, initially, they're they're captured on the on the boat. Did and, you notice, by the way, when they are running their dice scheme? There is this point where Cortez looks over at the wall and he sees like a wanted poster, and the two of them are on it. Yeah, he like okay. throws water at the yeah. wall. So that that wanted poster looks exactly like the wanted. I mean, exactly like the wanted poster for Flynn Rider in the movie Tangled. I've heard I've heard in, uh, Altiva describes like, oh, it's the horse from Tangled, Tangled right? and then Tangled. Oh, Maximus, Maximus. Yeah. Oh, that's the horse from the Rotel Dorado because they act the same way. It's sort of adversarial at first and then friendly. Yeah, and it's it's uh, it's just it's a weird connection Become, that yeah, I, becomes a character in its yeah, own. Yeah, I right. didn't I didn't hear of anything prior. It's just something that I thought was an there. Odd... There had to have been there had to have been some kind of. I'm sure there was crossover. Yeah, because you know? sure Tangled came out in what 2009, nine? I think, something like eight, that. nine. But yeah, so they get they get discovered by Cortez on the boat. Uh, oh, did you also notice the, the weird 3D that seemed out of place when their barrels got picked up? Yeah, they, they, they've used the 3D animation coupled with the traditional animation. and It doesn't do well. It doesn't always do well. Like, it seems really out of place. Yeah, but the animation itself is beautiful because they show things like water. The yeah. way that they, they, they animate the water is really well done. It's got a lot of fluidity to it. I, I was actually very impressed by that. Yeah. It's just something I wanted to mention before the, we continue. The 2D, the 2D animation is really good. It, and it do, they don't feel floaty like we've talked no, about. No, absolutely They not. feel solid, too. So uh, uh, Cortez finds them and essentially captures them and says, look, you're going to be sold into slavery in Cuba because fuck you guys. Why did you stow away on my ship? And they eventually escape and they wind up inexplicably on some island that Cortez is winding up on too, or or some area or island, wherever they are. It, it, Cortez winds up there too, and that's probably one of the more unbelievable parts of the movie because they were essentially adrift. Well, the, the part that I find unbelievable is they're adrift. They've got a map to El Dorado that shows them all these landmarks they have to hit. Their boat lands at the first landmark. You want to know more a more unbelievable part? At the end of the, or towards the end, later part of the movie where Cortez lands there, their footprints are still in the sand. They've been gone for how long? Days. No, weeks probably. Yeah. Because they journeyed through. It took yeah, them, yeah, yeah. you know, however long, several days to get through the jungle. Plus the, you know, I mean, it's ridiculous. So they land on the, they land on this, I mean, it could be an island. It could be just Central America. They land there and they search through the jungle and they use the map and they eventually find the city, El Dorado. And they are treated like gods, sort of like what happened in the New World when the Spanish showed up. They showed up with horses and armor and all kinds of stuff. And the natives saw them as gods because they were riding these horrific animals they had never seen before. And they sort of matched uh, Tulio and Miguel and Altiva. Altivan? What's the name of the horse? Altivo. Altivo. The three of them sort of matched uh, a stone carving of gods that was where they were found and he's got his like creepy little like a murder book that he uses for reference yeah but i mean there was like a big giant there was a big giant stone slab and the people that found him were like oh crap and they bring him to to the city and that's where you're introduced to the rest of the city and you're introduced to the chief and the high priest and you see their power dynamic shifting back and forth they're trying to you know exert power over the people the chief seems like a genuinely good guy but the high priest seems like just an asshole. True. And, 
the high priest initially believes them that they're that they're the gods and he wants to do all these things that he normally does like human sacrifice and they get all pissed off they're like enough with the human sacrifice over here my lords congratulations on your victory and now you will of course wish to have the losing team sacrifice to your glory not again look Zekul Khan forget the sacrifices we don't want any sacrifices but all of the sacred writings say that you will devour the wicked and the unrighteous. Well, I don't see anyone here who fits that description. <sighs> well, as speaker for the gods, it would be my privilege to point them out. The gods are speaking for themselves now. This city and these people have no need for you anymore. <clears throat> there will be no sacrifices. Not now. Not ever! Get out! I, I, so there's a couple of things. The first is that in the book that Zekul Khan looks at, mm-hmm. did you notice that there's a, a reference to DreamWorks? Yeah, I did. Toward, yeah. That's towards the end when he's making the spell to make the Jaguar. Yeah, there's like a, a man fishing from the moon, which is the DreamWorks logo. Yeah. Yeah, I thought that was kind of cool. They, there's some like other like little things like that. I, I guess the... Something to note that is also sort of interesting is that the story of this movie, the it's a sort of loose adoption of the Rudyard Kipling story, the man who would be king, mm-hmm. that was later made into a movie with Sean Connery and Michael Caine. <laughs> Michael Caine. What's the point of doing all the push-ups if you can't lift a silly beam off your chest? <laughs> so... <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. <laughs> uh, it, yeah, it's it's sort of a sort of ripoff, I guess, uh, of that. Maybe a homage, if let's, you will. Let's go with homage. Well, we'll go with homage. Yeah, we'll say it's homage. I, I I will say that there's some some things that I thought were kind of weirdly out of place. Like, Zekul Khan does air quotes at one point. Yeah. Uh, yeah there's, they... the, the characters do seem to have some interesting comedic timing. Like, there's that one point uh, earlier in the beginning when they're going through... They're at the beach and they encounter the the jungle and I think it's Miguel. He goes to like cut a bunch of the jungle down yeah. and he's like, "Well, follow this like uh, follow this trail." Yeah, and he's like, "Which trail?" And he turns around, and it's like all stone. Yeah, and he, he moves again. He has to do it a few that times. Trail. Yeah, and he has to do it a few times. But they have some of these like weird timing things that are are kind of funny. And that that speaks to being able to record in the same room as your co-star you're able to bounce stuff off of each other and have better timing and more realistic conversations when you're not just speaking to a wall yeah i will say that the animation the way that they animate zeko khan you can immediately tell that he's a villain because mm-hmm. I, I so i pointed this out with gaston so his eyebrows are drawn backwards Gast, mm-hmm. gaston's are and then his molars he's got a sharp molar in the back yeah, they always give villains like a sharp tooth. Villains so, are villains are always more angular. Like yeah. heroes, well, not heroes, but innocent people are more round. Like the like the uh, the chief is much more round. He's a fat guy who's got a round face, and he's much more innocent looking than than Zekulkan, who is very thin and angular. Well, even and like, if the Arr. villain is is large and overweight, he they still tend to have these things where the teeth tend to be drawn sharper. Mm-hmm. Almost eyes smaller. smaller eyes, yeah, and and then they'll also do the backwards eyebrows. That's like always a telltale sign. Yeah, 
And he's also, if you notice, he's animated several shades darker than everybody else. Mm. Ah, that gets into our controversy later. Darkness. So, essentially, the plan is once they get there and they get, they realize that they think they're gods. Is they're going to take them for all they're worth. They're going to get them to give them a ton of gold, and they're going to sail off back to Spain and live like kings. And then what always happens in stories like this? One or both, in this case, one of them has a change of heart, wants to stay there. And then the other one starts falling for a native girl. So they kind of both want to stay there, but they both want to go, like, you know, Tulio wants to go back. In different ways, they both go native. Yeah, Tulio (laughs) Tulio wants to go back and take Shell and all of the gold with him. And Miguel kind of wants to stay there. And they, they have, it's almost like a romantic comedy. They have a falling out where they get mad at each other and then they're going to leave and Tulio's going to leave with Shell and Miguel's going to stay and then they have a reconciliation when they Usually have to Usually due to a, a outside plot source. Yeah, so they have to save they they have a fight with uh Zekulkan who uses a spell to animate a giant stone jaguar to He kills his buddy for it too. He kills yeah, he kills uh, I think a couple people. Although to be fair, he actually wants to kill most of the town anyways. Like he sees it as his duty to as, more or less as the priest to yeah. bring about the death and destruction of everyone around him. Yeah, so he, they, they he even a... tries to get them to do human sacrifice like yeah, the day like, after no. their celebration. Yeah, so they they have a they have a fight with Zekel Khan. Zekel Khan seemingly not to viewers but seemingly to the people in the story dies and Cortez finds him and Cortez is and he's going to lead Cortez. Yeah, so he falls into like a pit that sucks him out through like an underwater It's something. a it's a world or not a whirlwind. It's it's a it's like a underwater cavern yeah, that, it's that a, spits it's a him jetty, out it's a whirlpool that spits him out like several miles away like a day's travel or something. Yeah. And where he runs into Cortez who has inexplicably found the same island or or area or whatever that, and travel the exact same path. Yeah. Because of the footprints, ooh. Yeah, and so uh, Zekel Khan looks at him and thinks that he's actually a god because he matches the the jaguar god picture in his book. So he thinks that Cortez is actually the god of destruction or whatever the the jaguar god is supposed to be. So he's leading him back to the city and they recognize that or somebody finds out and they, they drum up a plan to separate the city to to collapse the entrance to the city so that cortez and zekulcon cannot get in and they, by doing so they lose all their gold they lose all their gold and they lose their ability to go back to el dorado and it's that sort of thing where they, they it, it's the it's the, the you know what the ending reminds me of as they ride off into the sunset very much reminding me of the ending to indiana jones and the last crusade yeah no i could see that yeah they, they essentially lose but not every, as good yeah <laughs> So they essentially sacrifice everything. They sacrifice the initial thing that they came here for, which was all the gold, because they had the boat loaded up with gold. They sacrifice their ability to go back to El Dorado uh, in order to save it. And I, I, I didn't like the ending. Yeah, and then they just sort of ride off into the sunset into some. They're like, let's do another adventure. Now it's I, the reason why they do that. The reason why they end that way is because originally this movie had a series of sequels planned. A la Shrek, everything. Yeah. So originally it was going to be Miguel, Tulio, Chell, Altivo, and even the Armadillo. They were going to end up going after other legends about gold around mm-hmm. the world, not just in South America. You know what this so is? So that was originally the plan is they were going to go look for gold in China or in a wherever. 
and and it never happened because this movie was a bomb. You know what that reminds me of is is uh, and I know we we talked about it before and we're going to do it at some point is in the in the Mario Brothers movie when Daisy comes in at the end and she's like you're never going to believe what just happened and he's like I believe it and he like grabs his tool belt and it's like man they had a lot of they had a, a lot of high hopes for that movie <laughs> spawn a bunch of sequels it's that didn't happen so same, many things with that movie but, oh but my the, god but the same thing with this they had a lot of they had high a lot hopes. of high hopes and really, I, you know, I'd have to do more research into it, but I feel like this movie should have done better than it did. No, I don't think. I think it did about what it should have done. Yeah, so, I'm not saying it was a bad movie. Well, I, let's, I just, let's, let's, let's talk about why it didn't do so good. Because there was, like you said, there was a lot of controversy about this movie. So some of the controversy was related to... Uh, a boycott that was urged by a group called the Mexica movement, which was a, uh, which is a group that advocates for the retaking of North and South America by, uh, all indigenous people and anyone remotely of European descent or African descent should be sent on a boat back to where they came from. And they were pushing for a boycott of this movie. Now they were only a very small part of that. Uh, we're not going to get into the controversy about the, them or what have you, but but that was sort of a voice at the time. Yeah, and and what, what and to be fair, there is some fair criticism about the the white European savior complex and yeah. the, the the vilifying of the native, like the one. So Cortez, who is arguably like historically a huge like genocidal maniac. Yes. I mean, that, that's not, like, up for debate here. That, he that, killed a lot of people. That's just, like, a historical fact. Yes. Like, he is brushed over as... He's as not, a, yeah, he's not the focus. ...as an act of God. And the real true villain, quote, of the movie is one of the native guys. And yeah. he's darker than everybody else. And, I, I mean, there's... So this is, this, is a common, this is a common thing in mostly older movies yeah where you, you don't have, see it anymore I you don't see it nearly as much but yeah figured it out but uh the last movie that i can think of just off the top of my head i'm sure there's other ones but the one movie like i can think of off the top of my head was like in the last samurai so you have a white savior yeah and that that's the that's the idea and we're not trying to like espouse any kind of like like weird social justice this is not warrior. About, this is just like this is not for or against this is just yeah what this it is. is this, this is, is just like a film this is like film theory if you watch enough if you do enough like film watching and you you uh you study film there there is a there is a tendency to at least in older films to have a white savior white and a vilified native person yeah and vilify you have you have a group of savages who the white person comes in and either changes them which which happens in this movie where the you know the white and there's a sequence where Miguel makes a guitar or makes a, a lute or something out of some strings. And then he starts going around and sort of helping the people and like imparting his, See, Europe- I'm the good God. Yeah. yeah. Imparting your imparting sensibilities. His, yeah. And, and like, here's my music and here's our dance. And, and we, we do don't sacrifice others. And yeah. And, and uh, yeah, there's a, there's a scene where he says like, well, the gods don't need to be spoken for the gods are speaking now. And, and it's like he's acting as the almighty omnipotent being for a, another culture that he's just decided to adopt yeah. uh, as part of a con too. So it, I mean it's not like they have some sort of righteous motives. Yeah. It's weird because in the beginning they show them as these sort of like 
swashbuckling scoundrels. Yeah, basically. They're, they're absolutely. They're, and they're, they're the, somehow magically in about the last fifteen minutes have a emotional change of heart. You know, yeah, I it mean, se- it seems like it seemed like Miguel was the one that from the from the beginning was sort of more that romantic, uh, like trying to right wrongs type of thing, even yeah, though he was yeah. a con man. And Tulio was more the one that's that's like, no, this is what we have to do. We cannot deviate. We need to, this is how we're going to make money. And then we need to get the hell out of here. And Miguel's character sort of goes down more that romantic role where he gets to know the people. And he actually tells the, uh, at, at one point, he uh, talks to the chief because the chief is making them a boat. And he talks to the chief and he tries to BS his way through knowing anything about boats to tell him that the boat's not good and he needs to redo it and make another boat. And the chief says, you know, if you, you want to stay. stay, just say you want to stay. And then he's like, okay, I want to stay. <laughs> that's when he tells, that's when he tells, he, he tries and to the tell. the chief even says, uh, and then he says, oh, well, you know, maybe like I made a mistake. And the chief goes, well, to air is human. And it's like a, a nod that like, I know you're bamboozling us. No, he's, that's know? a callback to something that, that. Well, I know said. it was, yeah. I know it was, but I, the, the look that he gave them was also yeah. sort of like, I know you bamboozling us, but you're good for us. So I'm gonna keep you. Yeah. You know? I, so I like the, the biggest part of this the biggest controversy that i saw in this movie was that you had these white europeans and granted they're spanish but they're white europeans yeah who, blonde who, hair blue eye blonde hair brown hair blue eye whatever that came to a native like a noble savage type situation because that's the way that they totally depict it when they first when they first go in well that's the rudyard kipling story too yeah when they first go into el dorado Everything is this sort of paradise, Eden-esque... Shangri-La. Yeah. You know, noble savage who's living in tune with nature and, like, look at these giant fish and these weird turtle things that help them get across... I mean, visually, it's cool. Oh, it's it looked a beautiful amazing. It's, it's amazing. But, the, yeah, I can, I can absolutely... Cause, that at least in America, at least in America, the sort of native native versus European uh, dynamic is something that's probably not going to go away ever. But if it is going to go away, it's not going to be for another couple hundred years, and, and because there's too much, there's too many very distinct feelings on both sides. Shit's complicated, yo. Yeah, very complicated. You have you have native people from the United States. You have native people from Central America. You have native people from South America. And then all those places... And then the intermixings thereof. Yeah, it's yeah. complicated. You have so. all the Europeans that came into all the different parts of that, different parts of Europe that came into the different parts of like and Central and Northern. And, and, yeah. Yeah, so it, it, it's a mess. And this movie, for better sort or worse... Sort of washes over that. Yeah, it, and it, it sort of make light, makes light of it a little I bit. I mean, it's a kid's movie, so I get the idea of washing over it. But maybe the, maybe the whole point is, is it shouldn't have been a kid's movie in the first place. It really wasn't. Because there's a couple of, like... I mean, I mean, we talked about the sexual stuff. That's inappropriate. Sexual the violent stuff, inappropriate, too. Yeah, there's a couple times where Tulio says hell or damn. I can't remember. But, like, in a, was this movie rated PG? It had to have been rated PG. I don't remember. It had to have been rated PG. Because Tulio says hell or damn at least twice. I can't remember if it's hell or damn. He says the same thing. I think he says hell. He's like, we get the hell back to Spain. And he says that twice. And then there's the sexual stuff with Shell. There's the violent stuff. Yeah. There's blood. Yeah. And there's the like human the sacrifice. Human and... sacrifice, the scary stuff. Like, yeah. The thing is, is I, so in my case, my kid watched this movie and it wasn't really that scary for her. And I, so I sent you that text after I watched it mm-hmm. yesterday. 
where you were like, oh, you know, what do you think? Blah, blah, blah. Because sometimes, like, we'll watch it. We'll kind of discuss a little bit before we come together and record. So my daughter watched it. And she she enjoyed the movie, actually. She wanted to watch it again. Uh, which, you know, it's I, fine. I, it's not something that's inappropriate, I think, for kids. Think it's a, just at a certain, certain level, it'll be inappropriate because then they'll realize what's going on. Yeah, I think if they're too young to understand, it's fine. If they're old enough to where it's not offensive for them because they're watching other stuff, it's fine. But it's maybe that in between age group where you're like, ah, this feels icky. And she's not at that point yet. Yeah. And and honestly, I didn't know when I watched it. I I didn't know like getting into it. Yeah. Some of the stuff is is so I guess opaque that you you don't really pick up on it unless. You're actually paying attention? Man, you I know, was paying attention. Well, we that's our job, yeah. right? I mean, she actually made mention of the fact that she didn't like that there were two villains. Really? Hmm. Yeah, I said, so what did you think of the movie? She goes, it was good. She's like, what did you like the most? She goes, the love story. Because she's like at that age where she's all about princes I, and princesses. I feel, and then, like, I feel like it wasn't a love story so much as it was a lust, lust story. story. Yeah. And and then the part, and I said, but damn chick, was I there any part you. that you didn't like? And she goes... Two, the two, there were two villains. I didn't like there were two villains. There should have only been one. She goes, why were there two? He goes, that guy, he wasn't really a bad guy. And I was like, I'm glad that you noticed that. <laughs> I mean, he kind of was. but they I mean, He just was, but... He they was, didn't go into why he was. He's just unnecessary. Yeah, yeah, but it's like she picked up that he was a, a villain, but like not. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, very, it's very weird. And, and so some of, a lot of this... A lot of this criticism that we're discussing that i guess was like in the public persona was not really discussed by the critics at the time no it wasn't so you know if we're looking at some of these reviews from the critics you know they're saying that that you know this movie is fun to watch in ways that most recent cartoons aren't it's also more adult though it's the same cartoonish sensuality as the original road movies with their heavily coated uh prurians it's a high-spirited movie though it's not for all tastes the John Rice score isn't as rousing on target as The Lion King. The script, while clever, often seems too cute and showbiz snazzy, not emotional enough. And that's from the Chicago Tribune. Yeah, it seems it seemed like more of a sort of musical comedy than something that's really going to pull at you. Yeah. This so this review from Entertainment Weekly at the time by Schwarzbaum said, "This trip down the road to El Dorado proceeds un- under the speed limit." All the way. Our Tulio and Miguel aren't big enough, nor strong enough, nor funny enough to buckle any swashes. They're as lost to us as the, as the lost city into which they stumble. I actually think that that's a pretty... The reason why I highlighted that one and put it in bold for us is because I feel like that is pretty accurate. And yeah. I think that's why it didn't do so well. Uh, there's another description from the LA Times where they said that... Klein and Branna supply their voices, but that the characters say and do similar things in similar ways, and who can really tell them apart? Yeah. Also, I... that the animators don't really seem to have any more idea who they are than the audience does. I didn't know which was which until about twenty minutes into the movie Uh-oh. when they said the other one's name. I... I I did that on purpose. I didn't want to look it up because you know, seventeen years ago, nobody's going to look up the name of the characters before they go see the movie. Yeah, no, I, it's I get that. To be explained, right? Yeah, I, I get that. I, I mean, the thing that I probably liked the most about this movie was was the the sort of verbal and emotional relationship between Tulio and Miguel. I, I liked that. They, they, I did they, too. And, to and me, I feel like to it me, could they, have been a different movie had they kind of gone in a different direction. Yeah, to me, to me, the, their dialogue and their interactions actually made them seem like real people. Like, sort of 
caricatures a little bit, but, but real people. But like, real people. Yeah. yeah. They, Their deliveries were good. The voice acting was good in this movie. Yeah. I, it's not a complaint for me at all. Yeah. For it, me, it was the writing. I, I had issues, I think, mostly with the writing. Yeah. And also, to be fair, and as much as I love Elton John, the music felt forgettable. Yeah. it's, it's That's a damn shame, because... There's no reason that Elton John should be forgettable. Yeah, you could you could look up the music for this movie and play it and then try and remember the lyrics like 5 minutes later and I doubt you would because this they're just not they're not overly catchy lyrics. They're just sort of they're songs that are meant to be played sort of in the background. Yeah, it's like in one ear out the other. Yeah. It, it's I you know, it's just such a damn shame, yeah. this movie, because it's animated beautifully. The voice acting is good. Mm-hmm. There's potential with the story the, and the idea of El Dorado. Like, it, you know what? It would have been maybe more interesting had they been a like a buddy cop movie, sort of, instead of like uh, s- these two, like, like maybe had the two guys who came over um, one of them had been a conquistador and the other had been a slave. Or a conquistador and something, maybe like a priest and a conquistador or something. Right, and so the, the priest fell in love with Chell and the conquistador wanted to stay because he loved the people. That would have or, been... Yeah, or vice more, versa, yeah. That, that might have been better. Than just you know? like two con artists. Right, and then, you know, maybe, maybe instead of... I mean, because I kind of like, they allude to the fact that the talent, the city get, gets blocked off and that's why it's never been found, right? And then everyone starves because they can't go out and collect food. Well, they can because it's like they're in a big valley, yeah, I you know, but but still, it's... <sighs> so, end of the day, did you like this movie or not? Would you recommend it to other people? It's a bit of historical history, like for film. Is there any other kind of historical history? No. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Maybe. No, as a bit of like film history... Uh, you know, I'd say it's an interesting film. I, I'd say watch it, but I mean, I, I don't, I don't think this. Was, I I came away from this like not. When I turned it off, I was like, "Well, that was utterly forgettable. <laughs> that was boring." I I thought it was boring. I did. I, I I mean, and it sucks because it's so beautiful, and the music is fun, and the voice acting is good, but the script was bad. You know, for me, that killed it. And and I and so for that reason, I would say just this can stay in history. You know, maybe look up clips if you want to see the videos. If you really want to do it and be bored for an hour and a half, it's fine. Go ahead. But see, I actually really like this movie. I mean, if you, I know you did. If you can turn off your brain, if you know anything about like American Central Northern or Southern whatever history, and you can turn off that part of your brain and just <laughs> and just Sorry. and just watch That's the movie. Just... And enjoy it for what it is. I actually liked it. There was there was a lot of times that I was watching this movie where I laughed out loud. Oh, and I did too. I genuinely laughed out loud. Yeah, and it was it was probably ninety five percent of that laughing came from the interaction between Tulio and Miguel. Yeah, where that's why I feel like it maybe would have been a better story to do something else or had it be a different dynamic. Yeah, like like the scene at the beginning, the scene at the beginning when they are found out for having loaded dice. That and they, was hilarious. They do, that, they do the con back and forth. They say, you gave me loaded dice? What are you talking about? You used it. Lo-. And then they're like, how dare you? And then they get into a fight where they fight. A and then fake they, swashbuckle. Yeah, they, they, they get into a fake fight where they go up 
onto a roof and then they're like all right peace out and then they throw the swords back and then they run away yeah and it turns into a whole chase scene like that was hilarious to me yeah. and they they did the same thing later they they called back to it later in the movie with Sekel Khan yeah. yeah and they they just like just the interaction between the two of them like for me that made the movie that was good enough that was a good enough thing for the for the whole movie for me is is the interaction between the two of them and, like I don't like I didn't like how it was just super formulaic in terms of uh, like romantic comedy, buddy comedy, whatever, where they're good, they're yeah. good, they're good, they get in a fight, they separate, and then they reconcile, and then they solve yeah. the problem. Well, and like, so that's what I mean. Like the story, the script itself, the way that the story is put together, was just like it's not bad. It's this is not a bad movie. Mm-hmm. It had all the components to be a good movie. It's just boring for me. I was, you know, it had moments that were great, like like the scenes where the two of them were together. But actually, if you look at it, there weren't that many scenes where the two of them were together. I yeah. felt. Well, for I mean, for me, I liked the movie. I would recommend it. Uh, I mean, if you want to just, there's plenty of things on like YouTube where you can look up the you know funny scenes from El Dorado, Road to El Dorado, and whatever. But I would, I mean, it's it's on Netflix right now. If you if you want to just jump on and watch it, it's not going to hurt anything. And I honestly think that it was. If your kids are asleep and you have nothing up in your Netflix queue, you want to play on your phone while there's something in the background, throw this on. Yeah. That's appropriate. Yeah. I would say that's fine, but... Like, uh, yeah, don't go out of your way to watch it, but if if you got nothing else better to do... I I mean, I thought thought some of it was hilarious. I thought some of it was a little sleepy, but, like, what movie... What movie is is like a ten from start to finish anymore? There's there's very few out there that are. No, but I mean, not that uh, I'm calling this movie a ten. I would I'd say like if it's on a one out of ten, I'd say it's like a five and a half. Yeah, I'd say like six. Okay, I, so, I mean I liked it. Yeah. Okay. So you you liked it more than you didn't like it. Exactly. It was yeah. it wasn't just a wash for me. I, I liked it like, more than I didn't. like I don't it. think it was bad, and I wouldn't say don't watch it. For me, I'm just kind of blah about. I'm just blah about the whole thing. You know why do you hate and, why do you hate Spanish people? I just uh, God, I just do, Sean. No, uh, I, don't, I don't blame you. No, you know I just <laughs> uh, yeah. I, oh, and the other thing is, there's a game for this for PC and PlayStation. It is awful. Don't play it. Holy God! Now I have to play it. No, you don't. I promise. Do you just it, ride on on? Uh... No, no. It's a it's a sort of like Monkey Island slash Resident Evil. Uh, but it's really poorly done i was you know now that you mentioned that i can i can see why they did that because both miguel more morlo tulio tulio looks like looks like guy bush guy brush from monkey island from monkey island he absolutely looks like guy brush the controls are more like resident evil though the originals it's so not good sean i it is beyond bad Oh, well. Well, that's probably where we should leave it then. Don't play the game. See the movie, but don't play the game. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. So, if you want to find us and talk to us on Twitter, our Twitter handle is at RemasteredCast. That is at RemasteredCast. You can also find us on Facebook. Just search for Childhood Remastered. Please rate us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. The rating really helps us out. Yeah, and we'd also like to thank John Howard for the use of our intro music, Nascent. You can find links to his SoundCloud on our website, childhoodremastered.com. And until next time, this is Sean. And Chris. And this has been your Childhood Remastered. We will see you next time. Whoa! A-B.